Hey everybody. So uh, today I want to share a couple of reasons why you should not get your financial advice or even basic investing information from mainstream media outlets and their staff, quote unquote, financial writers and contributing uh, authors as well. Uh, now, I don't watch CNN or any cable news for that matter, um, nor do I get any news from CNN.com. But a week or so ago, uh, I got a news alert about an article that happened to be on CNN.com, and it was titled, Sorry, Crypto Fans, Gold is the Real Hedge in Times of Uncertainty. Now, if you've watched The Price of Gold for the last few years, you'd see that title and immediately uh, dismiss the article just because gold has barely kept up with inflation over the last couple of years of quote-unquote uncertain times. But um, actually, you know, it's funny. I saw this article, and at the same time, about the same time, the worst retirement planning podcast out there, which will go unnamed, did a full episode rattling on about how evil the mainstream media is and what evil people most journalists are. Um, and the best thing, oh, and by the way, that is the same podcast I was ripping on because the host made his uh, idiotic case against cryptocurrency that was brimming with ignorance. Um, if you haven't heard that yet, check out episode 65 entitled Why I Don't Trust financial advisors. Link in the show notes. Anyway, the best thing about this that dude's podcast about how evil journalists are was that the guy misspelled journalism on the episode title. Anyway, I digress. So this article, uh, again, sorry, crypto fans, gold is still the real hedge in times of uncertainty. I'll just read you the first couple paragraphs here. It looks like Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies may not be digital gold after all. Bitcoin prices are down more than 15% so far in 2022. Other top cryptos, such as Ethereum, Solana, and Elon Musk's beloved Dogecoin, also have fallen sharply this year. Meanwhile, actual gold is up more than 4% and back around $1,900 an ounce, once again flirting with record highs above $2,000. Savvy investors seem to realize that at a time when the Federal Reserve is aggressively raising interest rates, gold and other precious metals such as silver and palladium are better hedges against inflation. What scares me here is, is when I read the term savvy investors, my, my fear is that your everyday average civilian reading this might be compelled to out of fear stoked up by constant media-sponsored sky-is-falling narratives, this dude on Main Street might decide to go and buy bullion from one of those TV ads that's got John Davidson or Joe Namath or whoever the old man spokesman they're using to shill their uh, coins or bars, you know, and and way over spot with crazy premiums. Anyway, hopefully no one's making big decisions based on what they read at CNN.com, but it is possible. And by the way, if you do want to buy gold, first of all, don't go nuts with it. Um, but if you do want to buy it for the lowest possible premiums, I did a whole episode about this. It was episode 60, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, anyway, so next, the article does make a point, which is temporarily true. It uh, Quote, it is now clear that Bitcoin trades parallel to the risk assets rather than as a safe haven. IPEC Oskardeskaya, an analyst with Swiss Quote, said in a report earlier this month, quote, Bitcoin is still not the digital gold. It's more of a crypto proxy for NASDAQ, apparently, end quote. Okay, so that statement, um, 
as I said, is true at the moment. If you were to overlay the Bitcoin price with the NASDAQ going back a couple of years to 2020 or so, you could map out a pretty convincing correlation. But if you were to get statements from other analysts, like, say, James Butterfield, uh, he is the head of research at CoinShares, which is a data analytics firm. Uh, he would say it's correlated for now and that it's quite sensitive to rising interest rates. Uh, and, and then he says, quote, but what happens in a situation where you have a policy mistake, i.e. the Fed hikes too aggressively, for instance, or they don't hike aggressively enough and there's an inflation problem, that would actually probably be much more supportive of Bitcoin and less supportive for equities. So the point being that Fed policy too aggressive or not aggressive enough might decouple those indices. So if, if you are so mentally mired freaking out about abortions for the last couple of days, um, and I don't know about your news feeds, but my ultra left friends have had their social media hair on fire for the last couple of days. And I'm talking about dudes and women uh, freaking out that like by this weekend, they're, we're going to be back in alleys with coat hangers. Anyway, if that's been taking up your headspace and you hadn't heard yesterday, um, I'm oh, and I'm recording this on on May fifth. On May fourth, the Fed raised the benchmark rate by fifty basis points. Okay, so that is a big raise. And by the way, for those of you in the back, that's half a percent. A basis point is a hundredth of a percent, and the really cool kids call them bips. Uh, anyway, that fifty basis point hike was the biggest rate hike in twenty years. And now has it caused the decoupling of the Bitcoin price to the NASDAQ? Well, not yet. And Bitcoin did take a big hit today, but the broader markets went took huge hits. But I don't believe that it's going to be long before Bitcoin does return to becoming digital gold and it stops being the risk on asset that it's temporarily become. But that's not really my point in sharing this article with you. Um, let me continue uh, another little little blurb from the article. Analysts at Wells Fargo Investment Institute also said in a report earlier this month that gold can be physically held, is universally recognized, and has one quarter of the volatility when compared to Bitcoin stocks and other assets. With that in mind, the Wells Fargo analysts are predicting that gold could rise as high as $2,100 an ounce this year. Along those lines, the good old-fashioned dollar is also turning out to be a better investment than Bitcoin and other cryptos during these volatile times. The U.S. dollar index is up about 6% this year. It just goes to show that for many investors, Bitcoin is still no substitute for gold or government-backed currencies during times of crisis. Okay, so what did we learn from that article? Well, savvy investors are buying gold. and Oh, and with the Ukraine war, they also mentioned that that is supposedly uh, pushing more investors into gold and that Bitcoin is not a substitute. So if you take that at face value and you act on it, you'll probably be pretty sorry. First of all, the article talks about year-to-date performance, okay? I hope, like me, you don't care about little three-month time frames because if your time frame is that short, well, four-month, five-month, uh, but if your time frame is that short 
and that you're making windows on these tiny windows in time, well, you're a trader, not an investor, and you're not going to be reading CNN.com for financial advice. And well, you're not going to be listening to my little podcast either. So let's zoom out a little bit and get some perspective so that you can hear a little bit of truth, my friend, truth. So the article um, talks about gold flirting with all-time highs above $2,000. So in the summer of 2020, uh, by the way, I bought some gold in the summer of 2020, gold hit its all-time high of almost $2,200. That means that almost two years later, the price of inflation hedge gold is down about 15%. What is the price uh, right now? What I figure that is, go to one gold and it is live spot price, uh, ask of 1885. Okay. So again, um, it was at 2200 in the summer of 2020. So yeah, down up about 15%. So if in August of 2020, you would have put $100,000 into gold because you were nervous about uncertain times, maybe you would have read an article like this one and in, in, in substitute, instead of talking about the Ukraine war, they'd probably be talking about the pandemic. You got to put your money into a safe haven. Well, right now you'd have about 85 grand worth if you would have put 100 grand in. Oh, and if you'd bought physical gold, like physical gold, you probably would have paid a couple percent as a premium. So you would have paid, say, 102000 for that 100 grand worth of gold that's now worth 85 grand. But then if you wanted to sell that gold, nobody's going to pay full spot price for it. So if you did need the cash, you might, if you're really lucky, find someone to buy it at a 2% discount. So that'll get you about $83,300 for a grand total of about an 18% loss in just under two years. So that's another thing they don't tell you about uh, in the press about gold. You don't just buy gold without incurring premium costs, and that is going to affect your returns. But if you didn't believe the mainstream press, and if when gold was peaking, you would have bought Bitcoin instead of gold, here's what might have happened. By the way, I was not buying Bitcoin in the summer of 2020, and God, I wish I was. But let's say you would have decided to buy 100 grand worth of uh, Bitcoin instead. So let's say you bought on Coinbase, and maybe the the fee would have been about two percent. So you would have spent the same 102 thousand dollars. Well, today you would have over tripled your money. You'd have over $300,000 instead of losing 18% and sitting on 83 grand. But wait, Wells Fargo is saying gold might get back to $2,100. Well, great. You'll be close to breaking even. Anyway, I still like gold. I still have a pile of 10-ounce silver bars that I love and some uh, silver Canadian maple leaf coins. Um, and I'll always have my American gold buffalo coin in my pocket. But you get my point. And if you're nervous about volatility, a nice, slow, year-over-year -year loss might make you feel better than being whipsawed by uh, Bitcoin's insane ups and downs. Oh, and, and the numbers that I'm throwing you at, these are nominal numbers. So if you took inflation into account with your gold purchase, you'd have lost closer to 30% in real terms. Anyway, my overall point is you're better off not reading financial information from mainstream sources. And that also goes for retirement planning information as well. Last week, I saw an article in the Washington Post of all places extolling the virtues of renting in retirement. So, hmm, okay, so my wife and I are sitting around reading the Washington Post, and maybe we were talking earlier about whether 
or not we should sell our house. Then I come across this nice, well-written article in a major newspaper, and it gives me nuggets of wisdom like this. Without the long-term commitment of a mortgage keeping them in one spot, retirees can more easily explore new neighborhoods or cities they're interested in. They can also relocate without the stress of selling a home if they decide to move near family and friends or to an assisted living community later in life. Hmm, that sounds great. I'm starting to come around to renting. Uh, the article goes on. Retirement is a time to unwind and prioritize what's important. Apartment living makes this easier by taking out the need for property maintenance from lawn care and snow shoveling to household repairs. Renting not only removes the physical demands of these tasks, but also gives time back and money that can be better spent on traveling, family, leisure, and other joys of retirement. Again, this sounds so easy and awesome. Honey, if we don't own a house, we'll have more time and money. The article continues. Renting comes with the added benefit of a built-in community, offering opportunities to socialize. With the ability to make friends and explore new hobbies, retirees can stay connected and feel a strong sense of involvement and belonging. Retirement is an important chapter in life as transitions and new possibilities take center stage. The vast benefits of rental housing can help retirees make the most of this hard-earned time. I'm almost convinced. This is great. This sounds just idyllic. Renting also gives you annual increases in what you'll be spending through rent increases. Uh, did you hear year over year rents are up like on aggregate level nationwide, like 15% or more? Renting also gives you the noise of asshole neighbors upstairs noisily pacing at all hours of the night or noisily fucking on the other side of your bedroom wall and dinging your car door because instead of your own driveway, you're in a parking lot with a bunch of lower middle class savages. Wait a minute. Renting isn't actually the paradise this article makes it out to be. Well, spoiler, guess who wrote the Washington Post article on how great renting is for retirees? Yep, it's a dude named Robert Pinnegar, the president and CEO of the National Apartment Association. Anyway, that's it for today. Thanks for joining me. And here's a little advice for you. Don't trust your mainstream media outlets for anything related to your money or your retirement. Uh, buy low, sell high, don't take any wooden nickels, and never pet a burning dog. I'll catch you later. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com. 